And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So, as Jamie alluded to, in agreeing to preach today, I made a rookie mistake. I booked the date without checking the lectionary first. And having just heard these passages for yourselves, I'm sure you can understand that when I discovered that today's readings are filled with apocalyptic overtones, dire warnings, and foolish bridesmaids, I was more than a little tempted to call Jamie and try to reschedule. Well... When I'm trying to get to know someone better, I sometimes ask them to tell me what they would change about the Bible if they were given the opportunity to do a little God-sanctioned editing. And the answers are always revealing. And while our gospel reading tonight isn't at the top of my list of things to trim, it is on the list. I like themes of God's abundance. Here is a passage where five women refuse to share. I like themes of God's grace. Here is a story of five women who miss out on a party. I like things that seem to make sense. And here are some rather confusing passages. But since God has never offered me the job of gospel editor, and since I didn't ask Jamie to let me reschedule, let's work through this passage together. So the story of the ten bridesmaids is unique to Matthew. It doesn't appear in any of the other Gospels. This story is a story, a parable, meant to make a point. Jesus is not reporting the events of an actual wedding he attended recently. He is making up a story in order to make a point. It's a story about a wedding, a wedding that has some rather different customs than the ones we are all used to. So ten bridesmaids are invited to be part of a wedding, and as part of their role as bridesmaids, they're expected to wait at a specific place with lit lamps when the bridegroom arrives. And all ten bridesmaids are ready to fulfill their role. They all show up at the appointed time and place with lamps filled with oil. But something unexpected happens, and the groom is delayed. He does not arrive on time, and so the ten women need to wait longer than expected. They need to wait long into the night for his arrival. And here is where we find out what distinguishes the bridesmaids that Jesus describes as wise from the ones Jesus describes as foolish. Five of the women bring extra oil, and Jesus says they are wise to do so, and five don't bring any extra, and Jesus calls them foolish. Now, at first glance, it seems to me that the five women who bring the extra oil aren't wise. They're lucky or uptight. (laughs) Because even though the groom has taken much longer to arrive than anyone expected, and they've been forced to wait for him long into the night, all the lamps are still burning. They're running out of oil, but they're still burning. This implies to me that under normal circumstances, the lamps held enough oil for the wedding procession. It wasn't necessary to bring any extra along. The women whose lamps are burning out ask the women with extra oil to share with them, but they refuse to help. So the foolish women leave to try and buy some oil. And while they are out shopping, the groom arrives and everyone heads into the wedding feast and they shut the door behind them. 
The foolish women who, under normal circumstances, would have had enough oil and would have had no need to leave to purchase more are late for the party. Now remember, Jesus is telling this story in order to explain something about the kingdom of God. When something is too large, too complicated, or too mysterious for us to comprehend, we often try to explain it by comparing it to something else. My love is like a red, red rose, for example. We know that my love is not actually a red, red rose, but rather that there is something in our shared understanding of red roses that provides an insight into the nature of my love. In the same way, when we read this parable, we know that the kingdom of heaven must be like the wedding celebration Jesus is describing, but it's not a one-for-one comparison. The kingdom of heaven is not a wedding with ten bridesmaids. It is like a wedding with ten bridesmaids. The parable is meant to tell us something about the nature of the kingdom of heaven, but it doesn't tell us everything about it. A seminary professor of mine liked to say, all metaphors limp, or in the case of today's passage, all similes limp. The nature of similes is that in order to highlight one element of the thing they mean to explain, they often hide or muddle other elements. For example, my love is like a red, red rose in that it is beautiful like a rose or precious like a rose. I probably don't mean it is thorny and meant to cut you like a rose or will die within a couple of days of sitting on your counter. (laughs) If my goal is to share my undying love to you, then the simile about a rose is helpful, but it also limps. So what element of the kingdom of heaven is this parable trying to highlight, and what elements of the kingdom of heaven is it obscuring? Now, it's likely, if I'm invited back in three years, when this passage appears again in the cycle of readings, I'll see something else. But this week, the thing that jumped out at me was the way this passage is trying to tell us to be prepared, to be surprised. Ten women are invited to to be part of a wedding, and they all arrive at the appointed place with lamps filled with oil to fulfill their role as bridesmaids. Five have a clear idea of how long a wedding is supposed to take, and so they plan accordingly, filling their lamps with oil. Five are prepared for the possibility that things may take much longer than expected and bring extra oil. Now, if I got one message from all the commentaries I read on this passage this week, it was that it's very important to try to figure out what this oil is all about. The oil is the key to the parable. Now, far be it from me to argue with all of those wise commentators, and if you want to try and figure out what the oil is, more power to you, but that's not what I'm inviting us to consider this evening. Rather, let's wrestle with this question. Why would some women bring one lamp's worth of oil and some bring enough to refill their lamps? And why would Jesus think that's important? I wonder if the foolish women were foolish simply because they thought they had an idea of how weddings were supposed to work. They thought they knew how long a wedding was supposed to take and they planned accordingly. Now what's foolish about that? What is foolish about having a good understanding of how a wedding is supposed to work and planning accordingly? Well, I wonder if the point that Jesus is trying to make is this. Be prepared to be surprised. 
Don't think you know how all of this is going to work out. Don't make plans according to how you expect things should happen. Because things may not happen the way you expect them to. They may take longer than you think. So be prepared to be surprised. The Bible is full of stories of people who are surprised by Jesus. People who think they know exactly what a Messiah is supposed to be like. And Jesus is not what they're expecting. Some are willing to be surprised and they see Jesus for who he is. Some remain so locked in their preconceived notions of what a Messiah should be that they don't recognize Jesus at all. In Jesus' day, as in ours, there are people who think they have the timeline figured out. They think they know what's going to happen next. And they are not prepared to be surprised. This happened when Jesus was alive, and it happened in the time period where these gospel narratives were being written down, and it continues to happen today. In the time when the Gospels were being written down, people were starting to realize that perhaps Jesus wasn't going to return in the next couple of days, and they might need to rethink a few things. They might need to start writing these stories about Jesus down before the people who remembered them were too old to keep telling them. They might need to start doing some long-term planning. They might need to settle in for the long haul of history. They might need a little extra oil. They might need to be prepared to be surprised. Now, what are we going to do with the troubling final verses? The verses where the foolish women pound on the door crying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And the response they receive is, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Followed by Jesus' warning in verse 13, keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, verses like this make me squirm. They are some of the first things I would cut out of the Bible if I could. When someone asked me this week how my sermon prep was coming, I admitted that I felt like I was stuck between offering up words that were either a clobber or a cop-out. You see, I know what it's like to be on the outside looking in on a party I really wanted to be invited to. And I'm sure that many of you have had that same experience. It's not a good feeling, and I don't want to have any part in making other people feel that way if I can help it. So I was feeling stuck, but then I remembered that the message which jumped out at me from this text was, be prepared to be surprised. Don't think you have it all figured out. And I realized that sometimes the point is to wrestle with a text and to allow the process of wrestling to transform you without any need to wrap up the text in a neat little bow. And I also remembered that as soon as you think you have it wrapped up in a neat little bow, you're probably missing something, like the point of the story, you're not prepared to be surprised. So I tried to go back to the text, holding the tension between wanting to figure out what to say to you this evening and the the notion that I may need to be prepared to be surprised and bring a little extra oil. And then I remembered that Jesus is using this story to try and explain something about the nature of the kingdom of heaven, but it's not a stand-alone story. It must be read in context It needs to be read in the context of stories where Jesus says God is like a shepherd who gets 99 sheep safely into the pen and is not content until he goes back and finds the one that is missing. 
And God is like a woman who hunts for a lost coin until she finds it. And when she does, she celebrates with everyone she knows. And it needs to be read in the context of the communion table that we will all be invited to gather around shortly. A table where all are invited to eat and drink and get a taste of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven may be like a wedding with ten bridesmaids, but it's also like the communion table. So we can take a passage like today's gospel text and wrestle with it and be prepared to be changed by the process of wrestling with it, not with the discovery of an easy or comfortable answer. We can be prepared to be surprised. We can pack a little extra oil for this journey. And we can also remember that one of the things Jesus is trying to tell us in today's gospel reading is that the kingdom of heaven is like a really good party. And it may be messy and weird and impossible to wrap into a neat and simple explanation, but it's also beautiful and worth being a part of. And it would be such a shame if anyone for any reason thought they weren't invited. Because we're all invited. It's a party worth attending. So let's pack a little extra for this journey and be prepared to be surprised along the way. Amen.